Greetings. Welcome to Swan Power, where we explore the power of spirituality, wellness, arts, and nature. I am your host, Chris Singleheart. Hey there, everyone. Happy New Year to you all. We're recording this episode during the very first week of 2023. The inevitable return to routine comes as a bit of relief for me, personally. Uh, By the time the new year rolls around, I find myself quite eager to get back into business as usual. Now, don't get me wrong. The holidays are generally a pleasant interruption in my life. But the stability of my somewhat predictable schedule is comforting and appreciated after all the hoopla. You might be feeling the same way, or coming down from the holiday high could be unsettling for you. And then there's the possibility, or dare I say likelihood, that the season didn't live up to your expectations in the first place. Because let's face it, life is not a Hallmark movie. Well, if so, this episode is for you. We're talking about post-holiday blues, what causes it, and how to get over it. Our specific focus today is introducing a daily creative habit. Because being creative can help us manage negative emotions in a productive way. It can increase positive emotions and reduce depressive symptoms. So I have with me today's very special guest, Mike Brennan. Mike is a creator and communicator, telling stories on pages and stages. His artistic journey began as a boy, constructing heartwarming greeting cards, which lit up the faces of his family and friends. So from an early age, he understood the importance of serving others through his art. Mike studied in New York City and graduated from the Fashion Institute of Technology and the School of Visual Arts. He enjoyed working with a range of clients in the past from boutique businesses to major brands, including Mobile, uh, Heineken, Chase Bank, and Sands Casino. His pop culture art was spotlighted on AMC's Talking Dead and on Sci-Fi.com. His yoga art appeared in the Art of Healthy Living exhibit at the Idea Museum in Mesa, Arizona. Mike was featured, he was a featured illustrator for Meowbox and is showcased in Capsule's book, which contains profiles of some of the best talent from around the world. He had his art represented by Galleria Miso and was featured in the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Central Illinois. He is the author and illustrator of four self-published books, Dear Snow, One Man's Angry Rant Against Winter, which I've purchased for a family member, Dear Human, What Your Dog Is Really Thinking, which I've also purchased as a gift, (laughs) The Art of Yoga, and Infectious Art, Pandemic Pop Culture Portraits. Welcome, Mike. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here this morning. Oh, Mike, I'm so glad to have you here today on this really important topic. I want to ask you right off the bat, what significant events 
in your life have impacted your own art journey? Yeah, so I think like most artists, you know, when I was a kid, it was the thing I just loved to do, right? Drawing, painting, <clears throat> all this creating, couldn't get enough of it. And so earlier on that track was set for me that this is what I wanted to do. This is, you know, what was important to me. And I had a couple of moments like where, you know, it, it was like you read in my bio, creating greeting cards, giving it to family members. You know, it was cartoon characters and things that were part of my world, basically, that I would put on these cards, give it to my parents or whoever it was. And I would see their face light up and I would see that I can make something and it would impact somebody else, even if it was just for a smile, right? And so obviously when you're a kid, you're not thinking in those terms. This is looking back. But in the moment I knew I'm doing something that is making me feel good and something that's making them feel good. I want to do more of that. How do I do that? Right. And so um, it, for me, I just knew, okay, it's, it's creating, it's, it's drawing, it's, it's, you know, art. Um, and so going along, then having some really um, key moments in school where people spoke into me and said, hey, this is something that I think you really need to pursue. Um, or there was a certain exchange that happened. And, you know, it was it was those moments that solidify you're, you're on the right track, you're going in the right direction. And I think throughout life, you have those moments where the more you lean into something, you get to a point where you need some other um, either validation um, and hopefully the more that that happens earlier on externally, then you start to get that internally where you just know, okay, I'm doing the things that I should be doing. I'm being true to who I am and how I need to show up for myself and for others. Um, and so, you know, you get that validation as you go along. It was, it was key relationships um, that happened early on. It went to, you know, art school, as you mentioned, <clears throat> I went to graphic design, you know, uh, for a graphic design degree. And so all these moments kept feeding that journey and going, take the right next step, take the right next step. Here's what it looks like at this juncture. And um, I think it's important to listen to those things and to listen to yourself and say, you know, what does this look like? Cause so many times it's, it's, you know, we don't know what the road ahead is, right? And we're trying to figure out what does my journey look like and what should it look like? We're asking a lot of times. Um, and creativity is always something that is growing. It's always something that's in forward motion. And so figuring out what that next step looks like, it's, it's important to learn to be aware. And I think that awareness is really key because that way we're processing, we're not just simply reacting. And we're not following a script that somebody else has handed us because even for part of my life earlier on, <clears throat> it was, you know, graphic design. I love graphic design, but it wasn't quite dead center of what it was that I needed to do in my creative expression. And uh, I still do that today. I'm still very thankful that I have that as a background, but it was one of those things where the conversations early on with my parents, especially where, you know, you want to be an artist. Are you sure? Don't you want to be a doctor? Don't you want to be a lawyer? Something that makes money, right? Um, and so the compromise there was, well, do something art related that at least can make money, right? That's quote practical. And so, um, you know, that, I think that's important, but think it's also important to listen to yourself and understand your core motivations and the things that really might be more central to who you are and how you need to show up in, um, especially in creativity. Um, 
otherwise you can latch onto something that is more kind of adjacent to what it is that you really should be doing. And it seems like it's the great thing, but mm-hmm. at some point you kind of hit a wall. So I think um, there were several instances where I was trying to figure this out and I'd get frustrated or I'd hit a wall or something would happen. And um, one of the the biggest, you know, significant things that happened to me was I walked away from my art for 10 years. Um, and I didn't have this place where I felt like I could go because um, it was career related, but it wasn't necessarily my personal life related. And I just walked away from it all. Um, and then started to suffer from depression, which ultimately, honestly, was the thing that brought me back to my art. Um, but those were definitely moments in my life where it, it shaped and it, and it helped me figure out what place does this have in my life and does it have a place in my life? Um, and it's, it can be a very difficult thing to navigate when creativity is celebrated as more of either a hobby thing or completely a skill set that you would be employed for that's centered around client work and every everybody else but figuring out how does this flow together where you're actually using your creativity for yourself and for other people and you're showing up authentically so um there have been many moments in my life where big conversations as well as small conversations and experiences that have helped guide me on that path mm. Mike, say more about how that, you said depression is like what led you back into your art. Who are Mm -hmm. the people that came in that, in that time in your journey and really influenced you? So early on, it was, you know, my, my teachers, it was uh, an eighth grade teacher uh, who I connected with and encouraged me in my art. It was my high school teachers, you know, art teacher who really poured into me. Those were the foundational ones. Right. And then there were certain professors in art school um, that certainly were instrumental in helping me develop my skill and giving me a little direction. Um, but as I got older, you know, you know, you're not in those structures anymore, right? And so you don't have those built-in opportunities to have those kind of mentors and those kind of guides. And so for me, it actually took place more in a ministry context because that was really part of my other world where I was volunteering in my church um, and I had a lot more access to people in terms of mentorship and people speaking into my life from not only just a spiritual place, but also just a a life place. Um, And so those were the people who helped me make sense of some things, process some things. um, And then certainly when, you know, things start to get off track and you know depression enters in there were moments where it was ministry people as well as you know professional help you know it was it was seeking therapy it was um then also taking ownership for my own journey and and reading certain books and listening to podcasts and surrounding myself with as much information and guidance and stories honestly of other people some people i had met and some people i've never met but it's all those those experiences and stories to gather around me to help me make sense of my own that really were was instrumental Mm, yeah thanks it's so important to have those people in our lives um that recognize when something's something's not right with us you know someone who can say like hey you're not yourself you know what's going on and that they can 
speak life into us. So as I as I said in you know in the introduction, we're 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 talking about post holiday blues here, um, and you know normally I'm going to say this. Normally, we're like a month ahead when we record this. We would record it in the previous month, and I would I would drop it out for Sunday of the month. That's always my goal. Well, you know, December's just jam-packed. So, of course, we're not going to be able to get this in. We've tried. It's not possible. We understand. And I find it um, not surprising that we're actually recording it. This is January 5th. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you, you asked me before we started recording, how are you doing today? I'm like, well, I'm at 75% right now. It was probably 60% when I woke up. And that's that's the God's honest truth. You know, yesterday was just a meh day, you know. You know, I don't spare you all the details, but I just, I just say this to say, like, I am living this mm-hmm. right now, right now. So I want to, you know, I want to tell our listeners that these post-holiday blues, they they share many of the same characteristic symptoms of clinical depressive disorder. That's that's insomnia, low energy, irritability, difficulty concentrating, anxiousness. But it's important it's it's important for us to know that unlike clinical depression, this distress is short-lived rather than long-term, okay? So this condition, this this slump we can feel after a period of intense emotion is not uncommon. <clears throat> Excuse me, experts believe the main culprit is adrenaline come down, right? Um, I mean, we've been all hyped up for, <laughs> for a while now. So like after the holidays or even after a vacation or a major event like a wedding, there's this abrupt withdrawal of stress hormones. So, and then not only that, our brains really exaggerate the realities of day-to-day life, which means that it makes this return to the mundane just disproportionately more depressing than it is. It's just, this is known as the contrast effect. And it's oddly enough, it's our brain's way of trying to restore order while adjusting between these noticeably different experiences. It's this toll that we pay as we move toward our baseline of well-being. But let's not also forget the role that junk food and overindulgence plays, right? You know, and um, according to a study published in the American Journal of, of Clinical Nutrition, which I'm going to drop in the show notes, added sugars, carbs, they've been found to be associated with greater odds of depression. Gee, throw in alcohol into the mix and you've got like this cocktail of, you know, um, poor nutrition. So, so, and, and then, you know, furthermore, I want to acknowledge that we're recording from Pennsylvania. You're in New Jersey. All right. (laughs) We are in the doldrums of winter. And according to the American Psychiatric Association, the most difficult months for people with seasonal affective disorder in the United States tend to be in January and February. So this type of depression can compound negative post-holiday feelings in those who struggle with seasonal affective disorder. 
or SAD, as it's also referred to. And 5% of adults in the United States experience seasonal affective disorder. Now, to be clear, that's five, that that's three years of clinical depression that kind of spontaneously disappears come spring and summer, just to clarify. We can all, you know, feel to some degree, but that particular condition, that's what it involves. So <clears throat> how do we take care of ourselves during this time? First of all, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> You're not to blame. Let's remember those pillars of restful sleep, regular exercise, healthy diet, social interactions, outdoor activities. These can all help keep that post-holiday funk at bay. But for the rest of today's show, <laughs> we're going to focus on creativity to ease the symptoms because creative and artistic pursuits have been found to positively impact mental health and mood disorders. Creativity can provide an outlet for your emotions, give you a mood boost, calm your mind, and relieve stress. So um, beyond reducing post-holiday blues, there's many other benefits to creativity, and I'll be sure to drop those, some of those in the show notes as well. But let's get back to our creative expert consultant, Mike. <laughs> so Mike, what is one strategy to help people who might be stumbling to start a creative process? Yeah, I think <clears throat> starting for a lot of people is is more of a challenge for some. Finishing is, is another person's problem, right? But starting, I think, is certainly something that people think that they have this ideal in mind, this perfect scenario. And unless that perfect scenario presents itself, then they're like, well, I, I can't really get started. You know, um, I either don't have the time, I don't have the tools, I don't have resources, I don't have ideas. There's lots of excuses as to why somebody may not be starting something. <clears throat> and a lot of it honestly is based in fear, right? And fear in that, well, what if what I create isn't going to, it's not going to live up to what I have in my head. Um, what are other people going to think? Am I going to be happy with this process? Will I know what I'm doing? I mean, there's so many things that are front loaded on this whole process that, you know, it's no wonder so many times people have a problem getting started. And so one of the first things I always talk about is I say, well, first identify what is it that you want to create, right? Um, and somebody may not even know that they just know, I know I like to make things. I know as a kid, I like to draw, I like to paint, I like to, I don't know, whatever that looked like. Um, and so maybe it's that, but maybe it's not. I'm not really sure. There's a there's a little bit of discovery that needs to happen in this process sometimes, but you need to set yourself up to be able to discover. And so doing that means you get started, you show up. And so I say, let's boil things down to starting small because too many times we're looking for big. We're looking for big impact. We're looking for big results. We want to have a big experience when we show up to create and feel that pride that when we're on the other side to go, yeah, I did a good job and I really love what it is that I produced and I feel proud of it. I want to show people. I want to experience more of that. Um, but we sometimes jump too far ahead. And so I always tell people, start small, figure out like if you're just trying to get started in this, 
don't go for, I need like an afternoon to be able to carve out to do my creative activities. I need all these materials and supplies that are going to cost a lot of money. I'm going to, you know, we, again, we, we go big, but really I'm saying let's start small because for me, when I came back to my art, it was out of the place, right, of, of depression, me going, can I even enter this anymore? I knew that I, I used to do this. This was my livelihood. This was so much a part of my life as a kid and everything else. But in terms of me finding joy in the act of creating, is that even possible anymore? And if it is, how do I access that? So I knew enough that I needed to start small because also I didn't have the energy or effort to put into it because of depression. And so it led me to this place of going, can I show up for five minutes, 10 minutes? Like, I know that doesn't seem like much. And like the argument is, well, what are you actually going to produce in five or 10 minutes? That's actually going to be valuable, right? That's the, the thinking there, but it's reframing it to think, well, if I'm waiting for this huge time block that never seems to come, I'm wasting a whole lot of 10 minute segments along the way. And I could be doing something. So for me, it was starting small. Day one for me was I sat in a Starbucks um, and I had my coffee cup and I said, I'm going to draw my Starbucks coffee cup in my sketchbook with a pen. That was it. Just a sketchbook and a pen, not fancy paints, not all the rest of the stuff. And I gave myself like, okay, I have, I have five, 10 minutes that I'm sitting here doing this. And I did it and I looked at it and I was embarrassed honestly i was like "Ooh, this is a terrible rendering this is something that i'm highly embarrassed by i hope nobody sees this you know i was i was like people knew i went to art school and then i did this like what happened to you dude man you, you know you've fallen way short here but i realized that in that moment i had a decision to make um was i going to let this be my starting small and even though it wasn't at capacity of what i wish or what maybe what i once was at it's where I was right now. And so I had to accept it and say, this is as good as I could do right now. And I know this is leading someplace. This isn't going to always be the case. And so I wrote day one at the top of this journal, uh, this sketchbook page. And I knew that I was going to close the book and I'd show up again tomorrow. And that reset of knowing that I was going to return to it in another small increment of time gave me the ability to go, even if I don't like what I did today in 10 minutes, what did I really lose here? 10 minutes and maybe a little bit of ego, right? Um, but if I close the book and I know tomorrow I can start again, I have another fresh opportunity to step into to try again or to do something different or to somehow experiment or play a little bit more to say, what could this look like? What am I learning? What can I build on? And so starting small, I think, is very uh, undervalued for us because we don't recognize that when we string all that together, it actually does bring us someplace. It makes those daily deposits for us that's leading us on a journey. And it's more about the process a lot of times than it is the actual product of what it is that we're producing. Um, and I think if we can wrap our minds around that in a, as a starting point, we'll treat ourselves with a lot more grace and we'll, we'll be able to access things within ourselves having taken some pressure off. Hmm. Thanks so much for sharing all that, Mike. I love the fact that you kept it in a journal too. And just it's a document of like you a snapshot of your psyche at that moment. It mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, ripped out and crumpled and thrown in a trash can. It's something that you can literally look back and see progress. Yes. Right? No, and again, not just of our not artistic abilities, but progress in your in your spirit. 
you know, in your energy level, you know, so thanks so much for that. Now, how does someone advance in their creative process when they're facing just this lack of inspiration? Okay. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I hear, th I hear that all the time. Um, and I know because I felt that too in the past and, and sometimes you still have days where you're like, yeah, I, I just don't really know. I'm not feeling very inspired right now. Um, the, the trouble is we want to put inspiration before action and it's really the other way around because if we wait for the muse to come visit, right? The muse is finicky. The muse doesn't show up at a certain time, a certain place. It's kind of like, well, I'm waiting. I need that inspiration. Where's it going to come from? And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And that's when you get like that whole thing of, I have a block, I'm, I'm sitting in front of a blank canvas or a blank document or whatever it is. And, and you're like, okay, now I have my time to create. Now go forth and create. And we're like, yeah, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not feeling this. Um, so I think what we really need to learn to do is something that I learned in advertising and, and graphic design, which is we need to learn to stockpile um, and collect and fill our well before we actually need those things, right? So to create a regular rhythm where we're looking, going about our day, and this could be done on your phone. It could be done, you know, back then we used to have actual physical file folders where we would rip pages out of magazines and it was called the swipe file because we would swipe it out of something and put it in the, in the file and then we would reference that later on when we're like oh we have this project we're working on and we need some really interesting uh font or typography choices let's go to ones we've collected that we thought were interesting at one point what can that inspire or we need certain color schemes or we need whatever it is that we're looking for to to inspire us in that moment we've done the work ahead of time to collect this stuff and then it's going back and reviewing and seeing okay what makes sense right now or where does this lead to is there something that's all of a sudden the spark that goes okay obviously this caught my attention at one time so there was something of interest now how can i contextualize that to me sitting down and creating something right now where can that lead me to as opposed to i have the time i'm sitting down to create now what right you see the difference it's filling the well because we can't draw from an empty well um, in our time of need we need to have those things already waiting for us and then we're harnessing the power of having done that and again you could even set an alarm on your phone where you're like you know, five minutes you just spend looking, um, you know, on Pinterest or wherever you, you're just flipping through magazines, you're taking, you know, photos, you, you keep an album on your phone that specifically says like, you know, resources or inspiration. Um, however it is that you want to organize it, whatever is the best way in system, I would just say, keep it someplace accessible so that you can get to it when you need it in your time of need. Mike, you like just described my recipe box, <laughs> right? You know, like I'm ripping these things out of magazines and I'm putting in this in the box. It's like, yeah, you're not acting on it now, but when the time comes, like, okay, going to a potluck, what am I going to do? Pull out mm -hmm. the swipe file, right? You know, yeah. that's a great, great strategy. So walk us through a strategy to help our listeners who are struggling with the time to create. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this is another one I hear all the time is like, I don't, you know, I can't quote, find the time, right? Um, finding time, it, it doesn't happen. We make time. It's really about priority. It's really about, um, you know, passion and importance of 
wanting to actually show up to do this. And I know I get the pushback. Well, you don't know my schedule. You know, it's jam packed. You don't know the responsibilities I have, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I get it. I, I, we're busy people and all of us have certain, you know, responsibilities and we were caring for other people sometimes, or we're just overworked. Um, and so the last thing we feel like we have time for is creating and especially creating for ourselves. And we don't realize that unless we prioritize for that, it's never going to happen. We're never going to stumble upon, you know, it's not like a video game. We've unlocked a new hour of our day, you know, um, <laughs> we all have the same 24 hours, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's getting creative, even with our time. It's getting creative to think, okay, when I was coming back to my art, I had, you know, full-time job. I had, um, you know, a, that I was working for somebody else and, and I was a family, young family and, and all these different priorities that, that were stealing my time and, and leveraging my time towards other things um, and important things, right? But I had to say, where can I show up? Where is it that I'm going to prioritize? Where can I steal back time? Um, and that's where I needed to start was going, okay, I don't, I'm looking at my calendar and I don't know. I don't really think I can cut anything out. So, but what about lunch? Okay, I need to eat lunch, but do I need a whole hour? Probably not. And if I start small and all I have is a sketchbook and a pen, I don't need a lot of setup time and, and all that stuff. So I can kind of get in and get out of my creating time quicker. So what if I took 10, 15 minutes of my lunch hour and dedicated that towards my creating? Or if I'm in a store someplace and I'm online, instead of waiting there and just looking at tabloid headlines or looking at my phone or, or tapping my foot impatiently because I got on the wrong line and the other one's moving quicker, right? You know, all those things. Maybe I have a sketchbook that's portable and I'm sketching an item in the grocery store or the person in front of me. I'm, I'm looking for those moments to go, where can I redeem time that I already have and put it towards my creativity and not feel like I have to either cut something completely out of my schedule and my life uh, and sacrifice it or wait for the moments where something drops out and spontaneously I have a block of time that I can now do something else with, which we know never goes towards our creating anyway, because it's always eaten up with other responsibilities. Um, it's kind of like the closet, you know, you fill the closet to brim because that's the space you have. You build a bigger closet, you'll fill that one too. Um, that's the way our schedules go. And so it's really going, I'm recognizing the priority that I need to place on this because it's important to me. And I'm going to set myself up for wins by looking for time that I can start with by redeeming time that I already have that may be wasted in other ways. Um, because even if it's not like something physically intense that we're doing in a creative process, we can still be creative in thinking up ideas, concepts, um, uh, where our, our thoughts are leading us to prep for the actual sitting down and doing the work, right? That stuff you don't need to be in a physical location for. You're wherever you are, there you are, right? If you're in a store, if you're out traveling, if you're driving, learn to to leverage those times for your creativity. So you're starting to set up for wins. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thanks, Mike. You you speak so passionately about creativity and it's very infectious and it's sparking my own you know, passion towards some things that I've put in my own file, I'm going to say, you know, um, you called it a swipe file, you know, I think it's a little bit related to um, my producer, Dennis calls it a, a Scarlett O'Hara file. 
It's like we put it in there for tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. for tomorrow, right? You know, but as you're talking, like I, I, I'm thinking of these things. I was like, yeah, I always wanted to do that. Yeah, I always wanted to do that. And you know, there's speaking of time, there really there's no better time than the present, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and our culture, sadly, and I'll say it's a bit silly. We we pre- this is really the only time where people think about starting new hobbies and it it doesn't have to be that way right if you're listening to this on april 5th well gee don't wait till january 1st of 2023 to start a daily creative habit right Mm -hmm. start today so you, you what about those projects these passion projects that you know we all have talk a little bit more about like what they are and why they are important. Yes. So passion projects were things that honestly, I wasn't really aware of in the beginning because I was just trying to figure out what is my creativity going to look like now? Um, And so what that did though, was it set me up for a place to be able to experiment and play. And it was through experimenting and playing that led me to discoveries, right? Like oh, this is something that I really enjoy doing. This is something I don't enjoy doing. Um, These are some mediums that I want to try and use. Uh, These are some techniques I'm trying out. Like it was always this kind of tinkering and and exploring and being curious. And so that curiosity led me to, okay, what happens if, right? And so when I was thinking about a daily creative habit, the, the, the thought came to me, okay, it's, show up for 365 days in a row. And I thought, I don't even know if I can do that because I've been gone for 10 years doing absolutely nothing. So I had to break it down small, right? Again, start small. And so the thought was, okay, seven days of something and then 14 days of something. And it kept changing the theme or changing whatever elements of that particular project, if you will. And one of the projects earlier on was, yeah, like what happens if I, um, do 30 days of, of cartoon dogs, or actually I think it was like 90 days of cartoon dogs, just kind of doing different styles, different ideas, whatever kept pushing into that. And all the books that I've, I've released that you mentioned earlier, they all came from passion projects because it was me thinking, maybe there's something here and let me drill down on this enough so that I have content. And then if the content seems like it's worth something, then what can I do with it? And so I didn't go into 90 days of cartoon dogs thinking this is going to be a book. I'm going to really do anything other than fulfill my daily creative habit. But as I started to get further into the project, I started to think, oh, you know what? There is something here. And as I'm sharing it on social media, people are resonating with certain things and people love their dogs. And it's all that, you know, what is your dog really thinking? They do those weird things. And I started thinking of concepts to introduce into this. And it ultimately led me to go, I have 90 days worth of these drawings and these concepts. Now, what can I do with it? Well, now I can turn it into a book. Perfect. And so I packaged it up in a way that is is more accessible for people and doesn't get lost in the flow of social media. And so I learned over time, there are passion projects that I need to lean into that have nothing to do with like client work or doing harnessing my creative skills for other people necessarily. It starts with me. What am I interested in? What am I passionate about? And where can I lean into that? Because it gives me a sense of direction, of purpose, of meaning in my work. And then I can bring it out to people and say, this meant something to me. It means something to me. Maybe it means something to you too. 
Um, and then you start to gather people around that and your creation becomes a connection point. Um, and I think it's so important that people have passion projects because it's something that there's no committee, there's no like outside budget, there's no um, client that's going to speak into that and say, you can't do that, or it has to look like this. You're not handed a creative brief by somebody else with their vision. It's your vision. What do you want to make this into? What is it that you want to do? And even in the process, if you if you fail and it looks completely wrong to you, you can still use that to learn and go, okay, well, the next iteration of this, or maybe there's something that that this showed me a bridge to get to another project. That's the redeeming value here. So passion projects are huge, I think, to lean into. And especially if you're a creative professional, you need that because you're creating all day long for somebody else and you're never creating for yourself and the things that are really uh, lighting you up. Okay. Um, I want to tell our listeners, we were, you were doing a passion project, I think of just um, pop culture icons and you were posting like digital art of them daily. And it was when Alex Trebek had died and I had reached out to you and commissioned you to do an Alex Trebek portrait that I was able to um, purchase for my daughter who is a great fan and it hangs on her wall and it brings her joy and so you know I also want to point out to our listeners um, just viewing viewing products of other people's creativity also gives us a boost Mm -hmm. gives us an emotional boost you know watching those videos of other people create and then like you said Take that, explore, tinker, be curious, delve into it for yourself. Have a little fun. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. How can people connect with you? How can they find out your, you you know, get on your email list for the daily creative habit? Tell us how to reach you. Yeah. So um, MikeBrennan.me is my main website. From there, you can reach all the various things that I do as far as my illustration and and um, even daily creative habit stuff. But if you want specifically, if you're you're thinking, hey, I want to start to get in touch with my creativity or I want to show up more consistently, go to dailycreativehabit.com. On that page, there is a form where you can fill out to sign up for the email, which comes out twice a week. Uh, I'm not trying to spam anybody or fill your inbox with junk. It's, it's designed to give you resources. Um, there's a little inspiration piece in there. There are daily prompts that are creative, that are not tied to a specific form of creativity. In other words, you can take this and apply it to whatever it is that you do creatively. Um, there are resources for um, companies and services that help you show up and create. And so I'm really trying to curate as much of that stuff as possible to tear down some of those barriers that we have. That is completely free. And um, then there's also a Facebook community that is free. That's Daily Creative Habit. Uh, again, you can find the link for that on that uh, page as well for dailycreativehabit.com. And then I also have some resources like a journal that uh, came out the end of last year. Um, And that is a 90 day guided process for you to show up and set intention on your creating. Uh, And then as well, if anyone's interested in one-on-one coaching um, or workshops, I offer some workshops now. I'm doing even more in this new year. And then also we'll be doing a mastermind where we meet, um, you know, a couple times a a month 
and all pouring towards getting people to show up and create that stuff that really they need to because it helps them and it's going to help the people around them. And uh, I think when we when we all create, we all win. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mike. Um, you know, this has just been so useful to me. I'm sure it's going to be so useful to our listeners. The holidays are depleting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they deplete our pocketbooks. They deplete our, you know, our emotions, our headspace, and we need to replete. So thank you so much for providing us with this information today. Um, friends, this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes and is not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you or someone you know is experiencing emotional distress, crisis, or having suicidal thoughts, please call or text Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 or chat online at 988lifeline.org. Support is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The hotline is free and calls are confidential. That's it for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to be released in February when we'll bring you more on expressive arts and restorative practices. Goodbye for now. Bye, Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening. Here's to discovering the power of spirituality, wellness, arts, and nature. You can find more content and sign up for my newsletter at chrissingleheart.com. That's C-H-R-I-S singleheart.com. Until next time, swan power to ya.